Gen Salutations sports and wrestling fans all across the wide and wonderful internet. Time for another glorious edition of the Man in the Arena podcast. This is the, I guess you could call it, season finale of the show. Uh, it is just me, Michael Shibley, the ace of Tennessee sports podcasting, flying solo this week. Just, uh, Again, Trey was uh, had some other issues come up, so he was not able to be here, so it's just me. But again, Trey has been just phenomenal. It's been a pleasure having him on all these weeks during the football season, but uh, we're going to wrap it up. And again, what a crazy-ass season it has been. I'll tell you that. My goodness. But anyway, let's get right into it. Of course, we start with the Super Bowl, which happened... And that's about it. You can say it happened. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl, getting the win 31-9 to over the Kansas City Chiefs. Tom Brady getting his seventh ring. Hats off to him just, again, cementing, even though he didn't even need to cement it. He was already the greatest quarterback of all time when it comes to winning Super Bowls. But still did. It was amazing to watch the game because really it was boring. And I can put up with a lot. Trust me, I've had to put up with the Tennessee football team this season. And my goodness, that was a big one when it came to so much of what was happening. Really, and Tom Brady was fine. He was 21 to 29. Chris, 201 yards, three touchdowns. But the real story, and that's what I wish they'd pay more attention to, Tom Brady, of course, getting the MVP, but the Tampa Bay defense was just incredible. I mean, you kept Patrick Mahomes to a pedestrian just 270 yards, but he was 26 of 49, two interceptions, no touchdowns. So you have those things going on. Patrick Mahomes spent so much of this game running for his life. The Tampa Bay defense did a phenomenal job. They had the five defensive back formation, which I think really helped, but also they were able to get pressure. The injuries that the Chiefs had on their offensive line I thought would be somewhat of a factor, but I still picked the Chiefs to win. But it was amazing to see how much of a factor it really was. It was amazing how much Mahomes was running for his life and still making plays. Or at least trying to. I mean, he's throwing off, falling backwards, off his back foot. So many just weird things, falling sideways and getting throws down there. But his receivers were just not able to make the catch and make the plays, which was disappointing. But it came down to it. Patrick Mahomes was couldn't do everything by himself. And that's what it came down to. And... The Buccaneers were able to make all the plays, and they took advantage of all the breaks. As General Nealon always said, if and when the breaks you know, don't go your way, don't let up put on more steam, but when you do, take advantage of them. Always take advantage of the breaks, and that's what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers did. They took advantage of some penalties. There's a lot of people, of course, who were just immediately complaining about the penalties, but again... If because they're complaining, you know, Tom Brady's going to get all the calls, even with even if he's with another team. But these were in positions where the ref could throw the flag, and that's what they did. And some of these personal foul penalties were, and some of the dumb mistakes; those were just easily called anyway. 
And again, this game could have been an even bigger deficit because the Kansas City Chiefs stopped the Buccaneers on fourth and goal at the goal line. They made a great goal line stand. And I think really that's when the game made the turn is when right after that, the Chiefs were able to do nothing with it. You thought, man, if Patrick Mahomes can take this ball and go 99 yards the other way, score a touchdown, you're right back in it. This is going to be a great Super Bowl. And that didn't happen. There was nothing that happened with that. And that's just pretty much where it's like, unless something weird happens in the second half, you're done. And again, just like against the Packers, the Chiefs let Tom and the Buccaneers score a touchdown right before the half, which was just ridiculous. I get the idea of calling those timeouts and trying to get the ball back for yourself, but man, you better be confident in your ability to stop them. And on third and two, they were not able to get that done. So it was just... And again, besides that, it was just kind of a boring game. The commercials were fine. Nothing really stuck out or memorable, really, from any of the commercials. The weekend halftime show, a little bit of a letdown, really. Uh, There was a lot of great cool visuals. I got the joke with the plastic surgery masks that all the backup dancers were wearing. I know there were a lot of people who didn't. And again, I like the weekend. Mrs. Shibbles and I have danced to a lot of his earlier stuff. So... And then the uh, the last number they did on the field with blinding lights, I thought was great, but some of the audio problems they had and things was just not the best. Was it the worst halftime show I've ever seen? No, that might be pre uh, or post wardrobe malfunction. We're talking about these bad halftime shows. I mean, Justin Timberlake was nothing to sneeze at. I didn't even really watch the Maroon 5 one because I was watching the halftime heat that they did for NXT a couple of seasons ago. The Who, and I love The Who, was not great. So, but it wasn't the worst, I'll tell you that right now. But I was it was kind of a letdown. I had bigger expectations, I think, for it. And of course, now the question is always what's going to happen with Tom Brady with the Buccaneers? I mean, are they the favorite to do it again? Sure. I just, I don't know. Again, I'm going to keep just falling on my face, betting against Tom Brady. But I just, maybe they'll run it back and win it again. The Chiefs, where do they go from here? They're going to have to get that offensive line fixed. I think if you had that, you would have been okay. It was just kind of weird to see them struggle as much as they did especially because so many of these guys had been just in the Super Bowl just last year and won it. So my credit and my MVP is going to go to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense above anything else. And just, I mean, I don't think Patrick Mahomes completed a pass on third down until it was way too late in the game. Both teams really were terrible on third down. 3 of 13 for the Chiefs and 4 of 12 for the Buccaneers. But they were able, the Buccaneers were able to control the ball and make the plays when they needed to. They avoided penalties more. And the Chiefs kicked field goals. They kicked three field goals. And you're not going to win championships kicking field goals like that. And it still shows that defense, even in this just more leaning toward the offense league and things favor the offense, especially in the passing game, 
defenses still travel. Defenses still win championships, even if you are in your home, uh, if you're in your home stadium. And they fired the cannons at the end of the game. So congratulations to all of them. That was an interesting Super Bowl celebration that they had just the other day as of this recording where Tom Brady uh, tossed from one boat to the other. I think it was Tyler Brate. Everybody thought it was Gronk, but I don't think Gronk's allowed to touch the Vince Lombardi trophy anymore after what he did with that bunt that he did with it. But Tom Brady throwing from one boat to the other there on the river, (laughs) which was a little terrifying. You can even hear his daughter in the video like, Daddy, no! But... They did it. So, congratulations uh, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll see where this goes next season. I'm always excited to see. And hats off to the NFL. Yeah, they had some games postponed, but they got them all in. And they got the Super Bowl played on time. Hats off to them for that. And again, the spectacle is always great with the Super Bowl. Uh, It was weird seeing the cutouts and things like that. But, hey, it's the Super Bowl Sunday. Even if it is a boring game, I'm going to still kick back and enjoy it. So there you have it. Meanwhile, moving to some other things, of course, that happened over Super Bowl weekend. Of course, we have to talk about everybody else who got the regular season honors. And those go, uh, first, the MVP went to Aaron Rodgers, which at this was no doubt in my mind at this point, which by the way, Tom Brady went through Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, and Patrick Mahomes on the way to the Super Bowl. Which, again, hats off. You go through, I mean, Tom Brady, of course, is a Hall of Famer. Breeze and Rodgers are going to be Hall of Famers. They're all Super Bowl-winning quarterbacks, too. So, just an amazing run that they made. I mean, the way Tampa just changed things up, kept things simple after the loss to the Chiefs in the regular season, my goodness, that was great to see uh, the way they were able to do that. But Aaron Rodgers, of course, your MVP which is not surprising. We'll see, of course, what happens in the offseason there in Green Bay. They've got a lot of things to kind of go through. Uh, Derrick Henry, of course, winning the Offensive Player of the Year. It is weird to see a guy who rushes for over 2,000 yards and him not even get one MVP boat, which was kind of weird. But yes, definitely well-earned offensive. They really need just the MVP award just needs to go just to a quarterback at this point, because they just need to figure things out with that. Offensive Rookie of the Year, Justin Herbert. Not, uh, no surprise really there. I can't really complain a lot about that. I mean, Herbert had 4,336 passing yards, 31 touchdowns. Could have been even worse for the Chargers without him there at quarterback. We'll see if they can build around him. They're going to get a new coach and everything. I'm excited to see what that's going to be. Uh, Of course, Defensive Player of the Year, no doubt Aaron Donald is just a force on that line with the Rams. You can build a foundation around him for years to come and just be a great defense. Let's just see if the Rams can keep that going and turn it into more success overall as a team. They keep getting to the playoffs, but and they got to the Super Bowl, but they couldn't even do anything once they got there. To Tom Brady, losing there. You look at also the defensive rookie of the year, Chase Young. That, again, when you're picked number two overall, you better come to play. And he did with the Washington football team. Seven and a half sacks, ten tackles for loss. Just a really good defensive line. Again, this is someone else on a defensive line. You can probably build a foundation around for a great defense for years to come. And hopefully the Washington football team is able to do that. 
one of the ones, of course, that you just have no doubt and will always be is Comeback Player of the Year. I don't even know if there are any other nominees. There shouldn't have been because there's no doubt it was Alex Smith for the Washington football team. 17 surgeries, all the infections, maybe, you know, they nearly amputated his leg after that gruesome break. And he was able to come back. They went 5-1 and one with him at quarterback. I mean, nothing spectacular. Six touchdowns, eight interceptions. But the impact that he had with the team was great. That motivated them. They relied on that defense. He didn't completely screw the pooch. He got to the playoffs because of it, which was just a great story with Alex Smith. And I liked him when he played uh, for my beloved 49ers, so, which I was fine with. So, again, all the best of luck. Hopefully he can come back and maybe even do better next season. And, of course, Coach of the Year, uh, Kevin Stefanski, a rookie head coach. It's pretty good. And also, when you get the Browns back to the playoffs for the first time since 2002, you should automatically be Coach of the Year. And that's what he was able to do. And, again, let's see if the Browns can build on that. So many of these, um, you know, awards, the individual awards that you get are – guys that it's like let's see if you can build upon this and go from there so i'm excited to see where it all goes and of course we'll see if any of them we know aaron Rodgers is a hall of famer we'll see if any of these other guys will be there aaron donald most likely but some of the other guys we'll have to kind of wait and see but we did have a hall of fame class and what a class it was and of course it is led by the beloved man here in the volunteer state and that is peyton manning he is the top one here in this new class of the uh, Hall of Fame. They did a great video where he was on the field there at Denver shooting a, shooting a Roku commercial or something along those lines. And then they had, you know, David Cutcliffe and Philip Fulmer, coaches of his here at Tennessee. And you had Tony Dungy and Gary Kubiak and all the guys that were there, uh, which was great to see. And of course, offering him the spot gumming to Canton, uh, which was cool. Of course, he won two Super Bowls, five-time MVP, 14-time Pro Bowl selection, first number one overall pick in the NFL draft. It is, of course, kind of serendipitous, and it makes Tennessee fans like myself twitch, but one of the other ones that made it in this year were uh, former Raiders and Green Bay Packers defensive back Charles Woodson, who, of course, won the Heisman Trophy. I still believe Peyton should have won it. I might be a little biased, but you're never going to convince me otherwise. But he is also going to the class well-deserved as well. Calvin Johnson, who, again, gets into the hall at a very young age because he retired early, but Megatron definitely deserved it, playing, of course, in that dumpster fire of a franchise, the Detroit Lions, for as long as he did. Uh, Of course, uh, you also... Oh, man. Just so many great people. You have in here uh, John Lynch, who was a great defensive back uh, forever in the backfield, which was great at strong safety. Alan Fanica uh, was just a wonderful offensive lineman for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which, again, just a great class of guys who all have put in the work and well-deserved. You're not going to argue with any of these people. Uh, You also, of course, on the uh, senior inductee, uh, Drew Pearson, the former uh, Dallas Cowboys wide receiver, definitely in. I'm all about that. Tom Flores, who in the coaching category, 
should have been in before. I mean, I think only Vince Lombardi had a better playoff winning percentage than Tom Flores did. So congratulations there. Again, all the great guys and men getting in there. I'm looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to that great, whatever the Peyton Manning speech will be. I'm sure there'll be some commercials thrown in with it, I'm sure. But uh, it's all good, as they say. Moving on. Uh, to not NFL stuff as we wrap up a just crazy NFL season. It's been a wild ride with all the COVID infections and everything else going on. But again, they were able to get it in. Hats off to them. Uh, You know, a lot will argue that you shouldn't have maybe even played the season, but they kept it as safe as they possibly could, I think. The protocols went in well. We'll see where it all goes from here. Uh, Hopefully... By the time the preseason rolls around in training camp, everybody's gotten vaccinated and we can get stadiums full of screaming fans again. And it won't, things will be as close to normal as hopefully they can be. So we'll see where that all goes this season. Moving on to some other things. Of course, the old Shibbles and Bits segment will bring that back at some point just don't feel like queuing up the music i'm just going to keep rolling but we move over to rocky top here tennessee of course had that week where we talked about they just laid an egg against old miss which was head scratching and it looked like tennessee was going to run into some problems up on the bluegrass there in rupp arena as Tennessee had some serious problems against kentucky falling down by as much as 10 points even into the second half But they turned it around with 12 minutes remaining. Tennessee scored 12 straight points, got the lead back thanks to their freshman. Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer just went off. Uh, 27 points and 23 points for both of them, uh, which was great, especially because John Fulkerson spent most of the game on the bench. He had no points and four fouls barely played. So Tennessee was changed things up a little more up-tempo, especially once... Johnson and Springer realized that the Kentucky defense couldn't guard them. They just went right at it. They were creating turnovers. It was fun to watch. It was great as Tennessee wins for back-to-back years in Rupp for the first time ever that it's been Rupp Arena, which was amazing to see. Of course, Kentucky, yeah, they're 5-12, and but I'll take it. Anytime you can beat Kentucky, I am happy because I hate Kentucky. And the good vibes continued as Tennessee beat Georgia. Of course, they beat Kentucky 82-71. So they went down by 10 in the second half and ended up winning by 11, which is a hell of a turnaround. Tennessee was in control of the Georgia game pretty much from the jump. Uh, But again, you get some great moments. Of course, Keon Johnson had a poster of a dunk. If you go to the Man in the Arena Facebook page, You can check it out. It's right there. Oh, my goodness, dropping the hammer. Uh, I mean, I wanted to report a murder of what happened to the Georgia basketball team after that. But Tennessee, yeah, they let Georgia kind of claw its way back into it, at least made Tennessee have to sweat it out at the end of the game. But Tennessee still wins 89-81. to Jaden Springer with a career-high 30 points. So Tennessee's freshman finally coming up. In there, as Tennessee's going more up-tempo, which I think could be a benefit. But again, you can kind of keep that half-court offense in there still, too. And especially, Tennessee did really well against Georgia, and they didn't have Eve Pons. He was out with a knee injury. Hopefully, we'll get him back this week as Tennessee faces LSU, who, again, it's a tough out playing there and 
Pete Maravich Center, no matter how many fans are in the arena. That's happening at 2 o'clock on Saturday. And then they play South Carolina next week as well. And then it's home against Kentucky next Saturday. So looking forward to that. Of course, Tennessee was scheduled to play Florida, but that went by the wayside, of course, due to COVID. Speaking of games being moved around because of COVID, of course, Tennessee was scheduled to play Mississippi State. That got postponed due to COVID. Tennessee, however, is, and this is on the Lady Vol side, if you guys hadn't been paying attention, my mistake. It's been a long football season. I'll tell you that right now. But Tennessee, of course, is tipping off against the Kentucky Wildcats. That's due to tip off right very soon as we are recording this. Uh, The Lady Vols, number 16th in the country now, and they are facing the 20th-ranked Kentucky Wildcats as Tennessee beat them earlier in the season in Thompson Bowling Arena. Hopefully they can keep the good vibes going there. And then, of course, they'll move and play Texas A&M, who's ranked in the top 10 on Sunday. So we'll see where all that goes. Uh, Of course, coming up in a week from now, number one, South Carolina is looming coming to Thompson Bowling Arena. Of course, they're not going to be number one after this week because UConn did beat them uh, in the number one versus number two matchup. So UConn is probably going to be your new number one, but still South Carolina right now, the bell cow of the women's SEC. So we'll see where the Lady Vols stack up against them. Moving to a couple of other quick news and notes in the world of sports. I know on iterations of this show, we've talked about the national anthem and we've talked about it plenty. It was an interesting story that came out where the Dallas Mavericks had stopped playing the national anthem before home games. Mark Cuban, uh, the owner, of course, said that that was on his orders where again they hadn't had fans in the stadiums that nobody noticed until a uh, story came out about it. Someone decided to write about it and ask the question. They said, you know, they had to, but of course, then uh, the NBA does have a policy that player that the national anthem has to be played. They have, of course, changed the rule around a little bit where players do not have to stand for the national anthem. But, and again, I've been one of these people for a while now where. Yeah, the National Anthem, it's fine. It started being played before sporting events, uh, before World War I and World War II. It stayed because they liked to wrap themselves in the flag. We've talked about this a lot We've when we've talked about Colin Kaepernick. I've talked plenty about the NFL and their paid patriotism on different episodes of the show. And if you want to debate me, you can hit me up on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. I am happy to talk in depth with you about this. But again, you don't have people, at least not on military bases, where before a Broadway show, they don't play the national anthem. Before a movie, they don't play the national anthem. So again, if you want to play the national anthem, that's fine. I will stand and respect the national anthem as I always do. But again, this is not about patriotism. It's not about the flag, no matter how many arguments you hear to the contrary. There are things that it's a way to... If you want to raise awareness and have a conversation, that's fine. But when you go out and immediately condemn somebody for something like that, that's just the wrong way to go about it. Hear them out. Now, again, some of it might be flawed. You might disagree with it. Listen to them and then go from there. I just don't love, you know, I don't want to hear all the vile hatred and stupidity coming out from people when they say ignorant things. It's ignorance where just take some time, 
read some things, read some news reports, read different things, and it'll make you all the better person for it. So that's my thing. And again, you want to come back on me? I am all about it, and I'm happy to debate any of these great things with you. Again, Michael underscore Shibley on Twitter. Give me a follow. I talk plenty about sports and my beloved Tennessee Vols, but also talk about plenty of other things on there as well. Uh, some sad news before we move to the world of professional wrestling. We had another. We've lost a lot of people in the last year. Uh, another one passing away. A former heavyweight champion, uh, Leon Spinks. He beat Muhammad Ali. That's what he was. Known. His one shining moment was when he defeated uh, Muhammad Ali when he beat him uh, in 1978 in Las Vegas. Everybody was shocked. It was eight fights into his pro boxing career when he stepped into the ring against Muhammad Ali, beat him in Vegas. Uh, he had never gone beyond 10 rounds, but he went right after Ali. And again, at this point, I mean, I still am one of these people who firmly believe Ali should have retired after the thriller in Manila, but he went on and so many of these fights went 15 rounds back when they did that instead of 12. And But Spinks, he had enough endurance um, especially because Muhammad Ali was 36 years old. It was a split decision. Uh, it was a big surprise, but then, of course, you see that big, famous, big gap-tooth grin that Leon Spinks had. And then, again, he, he a great quote, you know, because, again, Muhammad Ali is the greatest. He, uh, Leon Spinks said afterward, I'm not the greatest, just the latest. Uh, of course, that was the highlight, the one shining moment. Um, he was stripped of the WBC title for refusing to defend it against top contender Ken Norton at the time. He chose the rematch with Ali, who took back that WBA heavyweight title in a unanimous decision at the Superdome in New Orleans. And, of course, that was the last win of Muhammad Ali's career. And, again, Leon Spinks, he had money problems, a lot of stuff. I mean, when you—and that shows, again— you have to find a way to hire the right people to be around you. And as he even honestly said, he had come from nothing, and he all of a sudden he had everything, and he tried to do too much, and you need to be careful about that. It's the same thing that happens with people who win the lottery. So, But again, a, a boxer who made it into the Hall of Fame, and of course he is the brother of Hall of Fame former heavyweight and light heavyweight champion Michael Spinks, uh, and the father of former undisputed welterweight world champion Corey Spinks. So a great boxing family and another former heavyweight champion passing away into the great boxing ring in the sky. Moving on to the world of professional wrestling, they're starting to finally slowly build the WrestleMania. Of course, Bianca Belair has been making the rounds. We don't know who she is going to challenge yet at WrestleMania. We'll see, of course, we got all the Elimination Chamber stuff set. I hate having this Elimination Chamber pay-per-view thrown in before WrestleMania, but whatever, you gotta fill the time, so there you go. Of course, Edge hasn't made his decision either. Um, we'll see, of course, Drew McIntyre is gonna have to defend his championship in the Elimination Chamber. Meanwhile, you've got... Uh, Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens again, which I don't know if you really need to do it again, but that's what they're going to do, so have at it. Meanwhile, with AEW, of course, Kenta showed up uh, last week, uh, giving the go-to-sleep to John Moxley, and then uh, Kenny Omega and Kenta uh, 
did a tag match against John Moxley and uh, well Lance Hoyt, not him, uh, but Lance Archer rather. It was Lance Hoyt and other places. Uh, great, no disqualification, falls count anywhere. Dark match that they are lights out match that they had. So plenty of things like that. Also looks like in big news in wrestling, Sammy Guevara has left the inner circle because he just sees that MJF is poisoning everything there. Great storylines. They're doing things. They're keeping all the ducks in a row. Uh, of course, they've got a women's uh, championship tournament happening, which is good. Two of my favorite uh, women wrestlers in uh, AEW in the first uh, matchup in that tournament, Thunder Rosa defeating uh, legit Layla Hirsch. Love both of them. Think they tell great stories in the ring. Uh, but uh, Thunder Rosa coming out on top there. So there you have it. That's just things going on in the world of sports. And of course, you can listen to this podcast wherever you do. I appreciate it. Love that you guys are listening. Please, again, five star reviews wherever you listen. That helps to get it out into the algorithm, and what have you. I love you guys forever for doing that. You can also, of course, uh, bring up on the uh, Facebook page, the Man in the Arena Facebook page. Give us a like there. Give us a follow. I post updates of everything going on in the world of sports best I can there. And, of course, on uh, the Man in the Arena Instagram page, we've got all the show notes and things there as well. And of course, as I said, follow me on Twitter, Michael underscore Shibley. Would love to debate you there. And of course, you can do at Trey Pack as well. Of course, he's got plenty of great football knowledge and other things about the world of sports there and for all of his comedy. Check him out there and Trey Pack one on Instagram and check out all the other great uh, podcasts that some of my friends do. Uh, Trey Pack, myself, uh, Mrs. Shibbles, and some of us do a Dungeons and Dragons podcast, Sagas and Shenanigans. Check it out. It's just great fun. Uh, we should have some new episodes coming out very soon. Our Dungeon Master Boston McCown, who of course is part of the BRB AFK podcast. They talk video games and pop culture. And of course you've got Geeks and Hair to the Earth, Cody CK Kits, Michael Doherty, JC Ratliff, those guys knocking uh, just hilarity there. Of course you also have uh, Wild with a Y, Chase Dyer, that weird Georgia Bulldog fan that we love. Uh, who come on this show plenty with Sam Donnelly and Patrick Pope. So again, just great podcast you can listen to, fill in some great time, and make you hopefully have some yucks along the way. But that's going to wrap up this episode of the Man in the Arena podcast. We are going to take a little break. Of course, the football season was wonderful, but we're going to kind of revamp this show a little bit, make some changes, uh, and again, I'll post some updates about that, but hopefully in a few weeks we will be back with a great new iteration here of the Man in the Arena podcast. But until then, still be posting news updates, still opinions over on all the social media. But until then, too sweet. Love you guys. I'll see you very soon. Bye bye